Well, this morning we are continuing our month-long celebration of Advent that we've titled Good News, Great Joy. But we all know that this past Friday morning, Advent was brutally interrupted with the horrific shootings at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newton, Connecticut. Uh, We were speechless. We were heartbroken, devastated. We joined the world in grieving. Uh, Many of us just couldn't believe what we were seeing and hearing, could we? Uh, The devastation, this senseless tragedy, immense proportions for the families, uh, for the survivors, for that community, and the nation, and really the world. Uh, You know, in times like this, we search for many, many answers to the many, many questions that we have. Uh, that surround these kinds of things. Uh, many of us perhaps even began to experience some of our own fear and anxiety and uncertainty, especially those of us with children or with grandchildren. And um, it's, it's an occasion for introspection and searching. But let me uh, this morning just suggest several things as a way of uh, pastoring our, our church family through these days. First, I feel that we should embrace the wisdom of the writer to the Ecclesiastes when he states, for everything there's a season, a time to cry, a time to grieve. And so let's join the world in grieving, and let's be slow to resume our normal, everyday, getting up, going to work, going to school life. Uh Let's save the discussions for gun control and providing better services for those struggling with mental illness, the increased need for school security, and other important issues for a slightly later season. To everything, there is a season. Now is the time to grieve and to weep and to pray and to mourn. Uh, So let's save those discussions for us a slightly later season, not just right at this moment. Second, in the shadow of the events at Sandy Hook, we're confronted with a, a stark reality that we often uh, forget, and that is that we are at war. We are at war against sin, the brokenness of this world, and evil. Evil is not some quaint notion of a superstitious generation or of naive Christians. It is real. Jesus once explained the cosmic battle in life this way. It's recorded for us in John's Gospel, the 10th chapter. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. You see, given a free will, a heart and mind that are controlled by the devil, people can do absolutely horrible and incredibly evil things. Thirdly, our temptation might be to be afraid and live in despair, uh, to give up. And I, I would encourage us as a church family to resolve to evermore proclaim and to demonstrate the name of Jesus and his kingdom, his desire for everyone to experience the abundant life, the, the rich and satisfying life he said he desires for us to. You see, God loved mankind enough to send a deliverer, a savior, a redeemer. That's what the Advent season in which we are is ultimately all about. God's love for a broken and sinful, evil world. God 
humbled himself to actually come into the sphere of our activity, our brokenness, and our pain in the baby Jesus. Jesus is the one who conquers evil and in his life and death and resurrection ultimately is going to set everything to right. And so let's be about proclaiming the powerful truth of God's real intent. You know, we we must choose to move forward living in the reality of what the Apostle Paul encourages us in Romans 12. Don't let evil conquer you, but rather conquer evil by doing good. So my encouragement, church family, is do good, dear friends. Love deeply. Love not only those that God has given you trust with, those of you who are married, your spouses, your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your roommates, the people with whom you work and live and and go to school and your neighbors, but even love uh, those that may be on the edge of being overcome with evil. Let's pray together. Lord, our hearts this morning do go up in in grief and in sadness for those uh, that have suffered as a result of this horrific tragedy. And we pray, Lord, that the dawn of a brand new day may bring the the coming of your comfort and your peace in in the time of incredible turmoil and and despair. We pray that you would minister to the families, uh, to those uh, survivors, the young children who experienced trauma, we pray that your your grace would descend upon Newton and, and really, Lord, the nation that's grieving today. And, Lord, you would begin to help us uh, uh, catch your heart for restoration and healing. Lord, we, we, we pray for um, your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And, Lord, uh, you, you also said that not only is there a, a time to grieve and a time to cry, but a time to rejoice. And, and Advent is a time of rejoicing. And so we, we live in this mixture of, of, of both seasons. And we pray that even today, as we, as we press forward to celebrate with our children, that you, we would experience your powerful presence and remind us, Lord, of those things that are most important. Empower us to love. We welcome you here today, Holy Spirit. Do what we cannot do on our own strength. Bring your kingdom as we honor you uh, today among us in your name. Amen. Well, I know for you kids, it might be hard for you to imagine that all of us who are like older and your parents age, we actually were kids like you at one day. You you know, I know that's hard to imagine, but we were. And, you know, it's great to be a kid and to be a kid at Christmas is even greater, isn't it? Isn't it great to be a kid at Christmas? We... (laughs) We got to go to my mom and dad's house. They live on uh, Evergreen Circle right over there off Northmore Road by Richwoods High School. And uh, we got to go to my grandpa and grandma Hare's house at the end of Evergreen Circle on Christmas Eve with all my aunts and my uncles and my, my cousins. And, uh, man, it seemed like a, like a hundred of them, didn't it, Betty? I mean, like, it, like they were everywhere. Betty is my, my first cousin, by the way. Um, everybody brought lots of food and lots of uh, 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 presents. And uh, the neat thing about the night, we got to drink soda pop because that was like a treat back in those days. And then we piled high the, the presents on the table in my grandparents' basement. And, and uh, uh, we all got to pick a number and then carefully select one of those presents off the table. And I'll, I'll never forget the night that I was in about seventh or eighth grade. And I opened up the little boxes. My parents taught me well that good things come in small packages. 
and it was a box of Lifesaver candy. Oh, that was awesome that night, and I'll never forget that gift. No doubt each of you kids in here today can't wait, can you, to open your presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning or at your grandparents' or wherever you celebrate. And it really does give us that are parents and grandparents great delight to see you guys opening up presents because we get to celebrate the powerful words of Jesus where he said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, I know like it's hard to understand that right now in your youthfulness, but as you mature, you'll begin to experience the power of that truth from Jesus. Now, on one occasion in Jesus's ministry, um, in the Bible, in Mark's gospel, the 10th chapter, uh, the, the author Mark tells us that there was an occasion where some parents were bringing their kids to Jesus to have him touch them and bless them. But the disciples actually scolded the parents because uh, they, they, they thought that the parents were just bothering Jesus. No doubt they, they imagined that Jesus had more important things to do than mess around with some messy kids. And here's what we read actually took place in Mark 10, verse 13 and 14. Uh, When Jesus saw what was happening, that the disciples were scolding the parents, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and blessed them. And so Jesus got angry with the disciples because of their mixed-up thinking. He said, no, 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 don't stop the parents from bringing the kids to me. Let them come. And so first, a message to the kids, all of you kids. Listen closely. You are never too little to have Jesus bless you. He wants to bless you. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, what grade you're in, whether you can read or whether you're very good at math. He wants to bless you right where you're at. He wants to love you and bless you. Now, in the vineyard, we say it this way. Everybody gets to play. And that means even the kids. We don't want you guys to think you have to wait on the sidelines until you're old enough and grown up enough to to actually experience God and extend the love and mercy and power and truth of his kingdom to other people. You can do that right now, right at your age. We're convinced that every kid can genuinely experience God and can be used by the Holy Spirit to extend his kingdom. So kids, what that means is you can love and serve and give and rejoice and and pray just like every other adult in this room. Bottom line, Jesus wants to bless you. That's what Jesus shows us. Now, a word to the parents and grandparents. We should never stand in the way of a child, regardless of his or her age, coming towards Jesus. Never get in the way. We shouldn't be worried that, well, they just don't know enough or, you know, that they just don't understand enough. Or maybe someday they'll walk away from their childhood commitment to Jesus. Jesus would say, don't stand in the way of the kids coming to Jesus to receive his blessing. Their understanding of the nature of their relationship with Jesus will grow just like yours is doing. Every age we successively grow more aware of how the dynamics between us and Jesus grow and change. We should afford them the same privilege. So don't ever think that they just can't understand or grasp the basic truths. Jesus rebuked his disciples 
Strong language in the original text. Because they had bought into the paradigm that kids really didn't matter or were not capable or deserving of coming to Jesus. So parents, grandparents, don't get in the way. In fact, Jesus went on to say these powerful and memorable words. I tell you the truth. Now, it's not because he doesn't say the truth otherwise. But he's saying this to like really like call our attention. Like he's saying, like your moms and dads and teachers sometimes. Now, really listen. Or, you know, like when your teachers do this and you all have to get quiet. So Jesus is calling our attention. And what he says is, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God, like a child, will actually never get in. They'll never enter it. And so we must all become like children if we're to receive the kingdom. He doesn't say we're to become childish, but childlike. So what does it mean? Maybe we should open up the floor and ask the kids today. Maybe we should all rotate for a quarter in Vineyard Kids Ministry so we can have accurate and firsthand knowledge about what kids are really like as they press into God. In fact, funny that you say that, Ben, because in the, in the year ahead as a cooperative ministry, we are going to be asking all of our parents whose kids are part of Vineyard Kids to serve at least one time per quarter. We just are, we're running out of manpower and woman power. So that will be coming. But I would like to just say thanks to the volunteers who have served in our Vineyard Kids Ministry in the last year. Carrie Egley, who leads our ministry. Hats off to Carrie. You do an excellent job, Carrie. <laughs> Stephanie Curry, Shalom Hoffman, Tina Harris, Rihanna Stites, Kelly Heflin, Nikki Lehman in the nursery, uh, Lamar Schrock, Steve Logsdon, Elliot Kammeyer, Lee Hoffman as large group storytellers, and then small group leaders, along with Steve Liu, Rachel Moser, Tanya Schrock, um, Adam Morrison in worship and ministry, Angie Kaufman, Tanya and Daphne Yu in check-in, Lindy Huber and others in multi-purpose uh, capacities. And forgive me if I've overlooked you, you served in any way. We just want to say hats off to all of you who have served so faithfully, our kids in Vineyard Kids Ministry. Thank you. Yes. Let me get back to the question uh, for, for a few moments. What did Jesus mean when he said, unless we receive the kingdom like a child, that we're not going to enter it anyway? Well, first of all, let's let's look at how does a child receive the kingdom? First, I think it, we could be safe to say that kids think in simple and concrete terms, nothing too abstract, nothing too metaphysical. And while kids are certainly creative and have very vivid, uh, vivid imaginations, when it comes to understanding things, simple and concrete is better, isn't it, kids? I mean, you all understand, brush your teeth, put on your pajamas, go to bed. I mean, you get that, right? Eat your vegetables. That's one we're still working on. But simple, concrete. Uh, and, you know, really, when it, when it comes to the Advent, we need to keep it simple and concrete. God came to the earth in a baby. The baby's name is Jesus. The angel appeared to the shepherds and told them where to find the baby. Jesus, the baby, grew up. Jesus is good, and he helps everybody everywhere. Uh, he forgives all the bad things you do. He heals people. He answers your prayers. Jesus loves you. He wants to bless you. That's the message of Advent. Simple concrete and profound. And if this Christmas story gets more complicated than these simple and concrete truths that even a child can understand, then maybe we're letting too many other things get in the way. Secondly, kids are inquisitive, right? For every teacher and parent and grandparent, uh, you know, who's around kids, uh, if we had a quarter for every question they asked, we'd be rich people, wouldn't we? We could retire today. Kids ask a ton of questions. Now, 
In the kingdom of God, a lot of things are simple and concrete. But in the kingdom of God, there are also things that are very mysterious. There are things we don't and won't fully understand, things about which we as adults still have lots of questions, and that is okay. Receive the kingdom like a child. Children have questions. It's okay if you've got them too. I mean, who really fully understands the Trinity anyway? The incarnation or the virgin birth, the sovereignty of God, his eternal plan and purposes. How can he be both just and merciful at the same time? Forgiveness, the new birth, the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, resurrection, a new heaven and a new earth and a new glorified body. Who can understand those concepts anyway? About them, we have lots of questions. Now, it's not a sign of weakness to ask questions. It's receiving the kingdom like a child. Simple concrete. Secondly, kids are inquisitive. Thirdly, kids implicitly trust. From the time you're little, uh, kids trust their parents. Kids look to their parents, don't they, for, for everything and never once stop to consider whether the parents have the time, energy, or resources to provide what they need. They just expect it. Funny that, isn't it? Funny thing is they grow up, they still expect it. Resources, the willingness to provide, protect, Trust to provide. Kids just expect it. And so we, too, in a way, must implicitly trust Jesus as the source of life and provision and protection. That's our job if we're going to receive the kingdom as a child. We must have childlike faith in those simple and concrete things. Jesus is good. He forgives all the bad things we do. He heals us. He answers our prayers. He loves us. He wants to bless us. Fourthly, kids live under authority. That's what it means to receive the kingdom. From the time they're little, kids live under authority, the authority of their parents, of their teachers, of the land, the law of the land, like the policeman. Now, kids may not always like it, right? But you certainly understand what it means. And we, too, must learn to live under the authority of God the king. He's, it's his rule. He's the king. We are his servants. In this sense, friends, our lives are not our own. And so to be a follower of Jesus, we have to do three things to come under his authority. Jesus said you must deny yourself. That is to say no to that stubborn and independent spirit in all of us that wants to live life on its own terms and for its own pleasure. Secondly, we must uh, take up our cross, which in, 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 in the context of our discussion today would be to willingly come under Jesus's authority as the king. And then thirdly, we have to follow him. We have to do what he tells us to do. So we have to live under authority, knowing that the place of surrender, full surrender to him, is the place of security and safety, peace and joy. That's where the real life, the rich and satisfying life that he has to offer is going to come. And lastly, what does it mean for for us to enter the kingdom like a child, to be childlike? Kids have fun. Now, I know it drives teachers and parents crazy sometimes doesn't it? But kids are always having fun, inventing and creating and building and dreaming and singing and dancing and expressing freedom and doing goofy and embarrassing things and not paying any attention and just being kids. You know, they have to actually learn decorum and restraint. I think it would be helpful for us adults to have a little bit more of that attitude. Become childlike. Not childish, childlike. You know, we're often 
I'll speak for myself. So careful and measured and cautious and plumb and level and square and flush. At least I am. And if we're to receive the kingdom like a child, maybe it would be helpful if we were a little more playful and rejoicing and imaginative and creative, filled with excitement, and sometimes just forgetting the boundaries of prudence and propriety and just going for it. And you all have permission to do that, adults. So maybe we adults have a thing or two to learn from our kids if we are going to more fully enter God's kingdom. Because after all, kids delightfully pave the way. Well, at this point, we're going to um, receive the offering. And so those uh, those of you who are discharged to receive the, the gifts today can man your stations. Every week when we gather together at the start of a, of a brand new uh, week, we worship the king with uh, hearing his word, singing songs, praying prayers, and receiving offerings. And, and the kids do this in Vineyard Kids as well. Uh, it, it's where we take of our hard-earned resources and we return to God a portion of that which he's already blessed us with. So what we're going to do now is, is engage the children in receiving the offering because this is just part and parcel of what they do every week. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to uh, just pause uh, as, as the, no matter where the boxes are now, we're just going to pause to pray right now over the offering. Lord, we're, we're so grateful that, that we can model uh, for our kids uh, what life in your family is like, where we gather together, we worship together, we pray together, we sing together, we give together. We serve one another together. I pray your blessing on each of the kids that's here and that is serving you in, in these ways today. Lord, would you put your blessing on the offering that you would take these gifts that we give to you and we offer them up and say, Lord, we want our lives to count. Here's our money. May it be useful for you and your kingdom. In your name, amen.